Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Final time in 2021. What's shaking, Red Nation? It's Jeremy Brenner here with the last episode of the Dream Take for the calendar year. Don't worry, we'll be right back where things left off in 2022 with the Nuggets recap. And we're also going to be recapping that New Year's Eve game for the Heat. But it's going to be New Year's Eve on Friday night. And as much as we love our Rockets... We're going to be a little bit busy. So we figured instead of having a recap for that heat game, we bring in the whole squad here a couple nights earlier to talk about the year that was for the Houston Rockets. Obviously, I can't do this alone. And I've brought in a full house tonight. We're live here on StreamYard here with uh, live on our Twitter page at DreamShakeSBN. And of course, I've got my co-pilots, Michael Brown and Ray Lucas with me. Ray. You're all the way out on the West Coast. I'm out on the East Coast. So how, how's it going on the West Coast? We got some snow earlier this week. I've yeah. had difficulties coming up, but uh, glad to see you. And uh, what's been what's been shaking? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's freezing. I think it's like 20 degrees outside. So that's not too great. But overall, overall, uh, can't complain too much. It'd be a little nicer to be in California because I think that's like the true West Coast. But I mean, hey, 
Can't complain. Pacific Northwest, yes. And meeting us in the middle, down at HQ in Houston, we've got Mr. Michael Brown. Mike, what's the weather like in the H today? Oh, it's about 75. Uh, it's perfect, if you ask me. But it will be down to uh, 45 on sun- Saturday, Sunday. So That's it's going to get cold. But yeah, That's enjoy the cold, Ray. Yeah, it's it's in Florida here. We're saying we're saying seventy two and sunny for the foreseeable future. So uh, that if that anything, um, you know, feel free to come visit. I know the flights around the country right now are kind of screwed up, but you never know. And uh, yeah, we hopefully uh, hopefully we'll get you out. But like we have uh, actually, I guess this is like maybe the first time I'll make this announcement. Um, we have our managing editor Darren Uvin. Uh, who is over in Pittsburgh. He's coming down to Houston for the Dream Shake Night at Toyota Center, February 10th, against the Toronto Raptors. Tickets are going to be sold throughout the next six weeks. We're going to be really pushing it over at thedreamshake.com and throughout all of our socials. So keep, keep that calendar open. Circle that date, February 10th, and come come catch the game with the Dream Shake crew. Uh, it should be one hell of a good time. But let's talk about the year that was 2021. Man, guys, like, I, I think just looking back on this, we're going to be going, taking a trip down memory lane here, but we have had probably the most transformative year, the most dynamic year, the most change that we've ever seen this franchise undergo. James Harden was still a part of this team a year ago today. And now this team looks very, very different. So, Ray, I mean, going back to a year ago, we had all these Harden trade rumors coming about. We had John Wall and and James Harden going to be the next new CP3 and James or Russ and James, and everything was going to go work out all good. But that didn't work out for for too long. Uh, Like, what did you think of that initial, like, pairing? And was it ever going to work? I don't think it was ever going to work. Uh, it was it was kind of a weird situation because I feel like the front office was kind of, there wasn't much they could do with how big the contracts were um, or the, how big the contract was of Russell Westbrook. And so them swapping him for uh, John Wall and then pairing them with Christian Wood, it felt like a great idea. And maybe with the way injuries played out throughout the season and just everything that happened, maybe they get into – a nice flow and make a run in the West. But I mean, everybody got hurt. So maybe Houston would have got, I mean, Christian Wood got hurt that season. James Harden eventually got hurt that season. John Wall got hurt that season. So maybe it wouldn't have happened that way. But I just, back then, I initially I felt like it wouldn't work out. I think James Harden and his press conference made it clear that he didn't think it would work out. And it's just, it's crazy because it feels like it was so long ago. But like you said, it was only about a year. In 2021. Yeah, like it's so crazy to think. But mm-hmm. a lot of people got hurt. James Harden got hurt. We had uh, Christian Wood get hurt. We had John Wall get hurt. We had a lot of hurt feelings amongst the Houston fan base. And as our resident fan expert of the podcast, Mr. Michael Brown, I, I think you have the best. I think you have the best touch and the best you know, pulse on the fan base out of the three of us, I'd say. So can you describe your reactions to this whole James Harden January saga and and how it made you feel? Yeah, like I'll give you the floor. 
Oh man, that's a loaded question. Um, I mean, I think initially everybody was over James Harden and his act, I think was the biggest thing. I didn't think that a ton of fans wanted him gone, but they were over him acting like a fat prima donna, which is what he was doing for lack of a better term. And I think at this point, when we started talking about rumors, we were saying, what are they going to get for him? You know, how many NBA ready guys are they going to get for him? And what is the trade package going to look like? And eventually he ended up getting dealt, but I mean, it was sad, you know, in all honesty, because I mean, it took, it took the Rockets how long to fall from grace less than 18 months. I mean, 18 months to go from perennial championship contender to talking about the draft in October, you know, November of an NBA season. That's what happened. I mean, that's, that's where we went. And it was, it's, I got to tell you, I'll be honest with you, Jeremy, you and I have been doing this together long enough. Now I'm not over it, but I'm more over it now than I thought I would be at this point in this season. It's growth. What? It's growth. I don't know, man. I don't, I, just, I, think, my. Thank you. I think the, I think the older I get, the more I just don't want to fight it anymore. Like it just, it watching the game last night gave me more hope uh and i'm sure we'll get to that but to to summarize what went down with harden yeah he came into camp fat you know not abiding by the policies put in place by the organization and he was not on the elliptical enough no and he prima donnaed him him, his way (laughs) he prima donnaed his way out of the city and it was a terrible look and fans still aren't over it you know look i.e look at when brooklyn was here a couple weeks ago that he got a lot more booze than I think a lot of people thought he was going to get. Yeah. I think, I think it's crazy. Like Ray mentioned, you know, it doesn't feel like it was 11 months ago and it's, it's, you know, because of how quickly the NBA has gone from, you know, in September, 2020 naming the Lakers, the champions. And now we're two seasons beyond that. So it's, it's definitely been a lot like a fast forwarded NBA season and it's why it feels like it was much longer than than it really was. Um, but and I think that's maybe helped some fans get over it a little bit quicker because there's been so much that's gone on. And you know, in the middle of January, the Rockets did trade James Harden to Brooklyn. We got a boatload of picks, boatload of pick swaps. No Jared Allen to, to Mike's to Mike's dismay. Um, you don't know. You don't know. No I was going to say that. You have Rockets no idea. I was going to say that. <laughs> no Karis LeVert, no, none of those guys. But it did create a chain reaction uh, to where the Rockets got Victor Oladipo. And this was kind of interesting because this, like for a legitimate six games in uh, late January, early February, we were like, wow. See what I did there? See what I did there? John Wall, Victor Oladipo, and Christian Wood looked like a potential, hey, maybe we're not that bad. Um, you know, Ray, what's your fondest memory of the WoW era, the six games that it was? Yeah, I think it's it's so crazy because we were – it kind of just happened out of nowhere. Like, oh, a team went from having John Wall and James Harden and Christian Wood to now it being Oladipo. And typically, if you were, like, to – Come back then, if you were to come up to us and say, "Hey, we're gonna swap out Harden for Oladipo, and then just start playing great basketball first, 
just a short stretch, but it was still great basketball. And we'd have our doubts and all of that, but they ended up looking really good. And I think my fondest memory was just seeing how hungry they were because it felt like they were each playing with something to prove. John Wall, he was coming off of a bunch of injuries and he looked like he was trying to show people that he wasn't going to be a shell of his former self. Same thing with Victor Oladipo, who he had bounced around a little bit, then he got to Indiana and it felt like that was his forever home and then got hurt again. So he was kind of in the same boat as John Wall and then Christian Wood trying to show that he can be that guy and he could make that next step and show that he's worth a contract and worth a bigger contract down the road. And so it's just with all of them being so hungry, it produced some really great basketball and the role players and everyone behind them, all the role players, I can't even name everybody that was on that team last year, Yeah, but everyone was just so motivated and locked in. And then, you know, eventually things got really bad, <laughs> really fast. Yeah. But at that time it was, there was just so much hunger on the floor and they were really playing with it and they were feeding off of it feeding off of it. We've seen them all over social media. Like it felt like the Rockets, I don't know if it felt like they were going to make the playoffs, but it felt like they were still relevant. And then, yeah, you know, things kind of got bad from there. (laughs) We like that relevancy there. It it gave the Rockets relevancy and some kind of contender currency. That's, I think, a good word for it. Uh, Even if they weren't like true contenders, at least they, you know, I think with the wow factor, Mike, it seemed like the playoffs weren't like a a total far-fetched idea at least when all three of them were healthy then christian wood gets uh injured it hurts his ankle in memphis and then it really starts to get dark yeah and ironically i think one of the biggest things that came out of that was the fact that at the time when the front office made oladipo the two-year 42 million dollar offer we all thought that there's no way he's going to yeah. take that. You know, he's going to hit 45 million. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was two years, mm-hmm. somewhere between 41 and 45 mil. Mm-hmm. And all of, I thought it was a joke because I wanted that. I thought he was going to get a lot more money. And I thought that that was the front office's way of spending money and showing the fan base that they really cared. Ironically, he should have taken that deal based on where he's at currently and the type of deal that he's on. I, I liked the the wow movement i guess i mean it was entertaining but my favorite part of it is when it ended because i think the rockets are better off for it i mean that's my favorite part of it is that it no longer exists it's no longer in our life because you got to think if if those guys didn't get hurt you probably don't get Jalen green Mm -hmm. you're probably not in the market for a josh christopher later in the first round as well so those are two guys that I'm glad are a part of the team now that if the wow movement really did succeed, that we wouldn't have those guys. Yeah. You know, it, it did create a lot of short-term success and a lot of short-term joy. I remember specifically, I, I want to say it was the Portland game that I remember the most out of all of these games where they, they were playing on TNT and they won that game. And another game that comes to mind was the first game where Harden was traded. They played also on TNT. Uh, remember, guys, this where Christian Wood, they, they win in San Antonio. And um, they call, like, Christian Wood calls Shaq a casual. That was in 2021. It feels like it was, like, six years ago. That was the best part of the WoW era. I'm, like, that was it. Undisputed number one. Um, but then, yes, after this whole WoW era kind of dies off we get into possibly the darkest point of the year where the rockets lose 20 games in a row 
and things go just totally off the rails. Um, I don't want to spend too much time off of this because it really, at this point, the 20 game win streak, or excuse me, the 20 game losing streak, it really doesn't matter anymore because that season is, is done and dusted. Um, and, and honestly, I think that the 20 game losing streak from the spring really helped the team prepare for the 15 game losing streak in the fall. Is like that, that may be a hot take, but what do y'all think about that? I'm, I'm going to throw that into the universe. See what y'all got to say. I think right. it was sorry saying it. The initial the losing, losing streak helped prepare fans to for that 15 game losing streak this season. Factor fiction. I'd say that's fair. I'd say that's fair because when you you know we kind of seen it before, and although the expectations were a little different because this season you know no one's expecting the Rockets to really compete, but you're not expecting them to look that bad at the same time. But I think when you're coming off a season where you had just had a losing streak that was similar or even worse than that one. It kind of, I mean, it was still like a wildfire on Rockets Twitter and all that. And there's just a lot going on, but I think, I I think that's fair to say that a a losing streak, like it kind of, it's a feeling that you kind of get used to. You never want to get used to it, but you know, I'm a Seahawks fan. (laughs) I've watched the Seahawks lose a lot of games. So every Sunday when they lose, it's kind of just like, I mean, you know, I seen it last week. So when the Rockets were losing uh, this set of games this season, it was like, okay, we kind of seen the same thing last year. And it, obviously it's weighted a little different because uh, with the rookies and with more depth this year than last year and more players available, it's not something that you really want to happen or expected to see happen. But yeah, I, I agree. Uh, r- real quick, shout out to the dream take that during – all 35 of those losses we did post-game shows. Yes. Okay, so that deserves some sort of recognition. And is there probably... were some games in those losing streaks. It was dark. It was hard. Yeah. We, we got know, it done. We got to be the podcast of the people. I'm thankful that in, the, in this season, we haven't seen one minute of Anthony Lamb on the main roster. So if his family is watching this show, I'm, I apologize. But I'm thankful that that no, is no longer a part of this rotation. Yeah. Uh, but I'm with How you. How many Rockets have played this season that that won't ever? I'm just really saying, see man. The court again. And Ray, I don't want to hear from you about the Seahawks. You have a Super Bowl in the past seven years, so don't bring that sort of talk onto the podcast. I don't want to hear about your losses. You have a Super Bowl, so stay out of this conversation with that sort of poppycock talk. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'll say. Uh, speaking of 2020-21 Rockets, shout out to uh, Cam Oliver for getting a 10-day contract with the Hawks. Shout out to Chris Clemens. Getting a legends. contract with the Hawks. Legends, legends in Rockets the Rockets legends. community. Yes, yeah. Same. Oh, uh, can we give a, a special shout out as well? I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. Uh, the Rockets now have not one, but two University of Houston basketball legends yes. on their main roster. So that dominant program here in the city of Houston producing nothing but NBA talent. Shout out to the Final Four Cougars. 2021 yes. yes that that is some, that was that was the best houston basketball accomplishment of 2021 was the cougars making it back to the final four but Big i'll probably mention armani brooks mike because i guess chronologically he does fall into this next into this next portion of the season um where we in that 2020 2021 season we get a lot of like diamonds in the rough that are get to shine in 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 Rockets land, if you will. Some of them, most of them are on this current team, uh, but Jay Sean Tate, 
You have Armani Brooks. You have KJ Martin. All of these guys, they they became real fixtures in 2021 for this team. Kelly Olynyk, can't forget about him. Remember when Kelly Olynyk was the most popular player for the Rockets? Yes, that happened this year, guys. Kelly Olynyk, that was in 2021. Crazy. Yeah, that's wild. But I, outside of Kelly Olynyk, I, I had to give him some some airtime for tonight. But Armani Brooks, uh, Kevin Porter, that was uh, probably the most underrated transaction of the year. Getting these guys and playing them in that in that latter part of the season, Jay Sean Tate, uh, Ray. When you have a team like the Rockets right now, they're they're obviously struggling. They're obviously rebuilding. But when you're able to get these kind of guys, and, and in the second in the second season, Garrison Matthews is is a part of this group as well. How important is it to get these guys that uh, come out of nowhere, undrafted from the G League, from you know? Timbuktu who cares from anywhere but mm-hmm. how important is it to get these guys and then kind of have them blossom and become part of this team competing for a roster spot and a chance to play in the NBA I think it's such a big thing and it shows that the scouting department is doing a great job because you're not going to get um, each of your key young players through the draft you're going to have to do some digging you're going to have to take some chances or you're going to have to be able to capitalize off a still of a trade like they did uh, with acquiring Kevin Porter Jr. from the Cavaliers. And I think the biggest thing last year that we were um, looking for coming into this next this current season is will these guys be able to keep playing a high level of basketball when it's, you know, playing against playing amongst other actual NBA talent, but also being competitive in games because you know, these are basketball players that have played their whole life. And so if you put, like we've seen it towards the end of last season, guys are going to, like someone has to get the stats and someone has to score. Someone has to get the 20 points and someone's bound to do it if you give them enough shots. But I think the guys like, um, of course, KPJ, Jay Shantae, Armani Brooks, uh, KJ Martin, they've been guys that we saw last year and we saw them blossom, but they've shown that it wasn't just this thing of, hey, someone has to go get the points. They're showing that they can be cohesive and be able to kind of compete. Cause when you look at their game against the Lakers, all their games against the Lakers, really, they've looked like really competitive. And a lot of that has been the guys that they haven't found through the draft. So that's just, it shows a, it's a big props to the scouting department who probably doesn't get enough love, but I think that's what's impressed me most is just their ability to find these guys that can make an impact without it having to be like through the draft with a top 10 pick or top 20 pick. Yeah, Mike, anything that? No, I mean, I think Jay Shantae, in my opinion, is is the find of the bunch, you know, because mm-hmm. there was not a lot of talk about him, and they found him overseas, and they found him because of a connection that they had in their front office. Guy like Kevin Porter Jr., everyone knew the talent was there, but the deal that they put together for him was the, the spotlight of that for me. Everyone knew that he's talented. Jay Sean Tate, though, I think is a fixture of this franchise for the next 10 plus years to come. Yeah. And I think something that we've talked about a lot uh, this season is, or this year is are the Rockets tanking? And I have been an advocate for, no, this team is not tanking. And it's because they are bringing in these players that are fighting for a career that 
have a chip on their shoulder, have a whole bag of Doritos on the shoulder, and they are competing as hard as they can. And I think that kind of, you know, that motivation is what prompted the Rockets winning streak that we saw in late November, early December. So I think that is the reason why I don't define this as a tank because you have guys that are playing their their asses off, excuse my language, but they are playing as hard as they can. And not every guy is going to work. We have, you know, for every Jay Sean Tate and Armani Brooks, there's a Kyrie Thomas and an Anthony Lamb, a Daquan Jeffries, trying to see how many Rockets I can name that's played in 2021. Uh, Rodion Korich, uh, you know, not every guy's going to hit, but I think it's important that you uh, that you elevate the level of a competition so that you're getting the best out of the players you currently have. And then you hope that someday, once these players mature into their NBA careers, and then once you add talent at the top of the draft, which the Rockets did by acquiring all of those draft picks at the beginning of the year, then you're looking at something that resembles a contending NBA team. So speaking of those draft picks, we're going to kind of transition into the draft, which might have been the most important night of the season where the Rockets go out. They get four guys in the draft. They only they only had three picks going in the night, but they walk out of the draft with four guys. Jalen Green, Alperin Shangun, you get Usman Garuba at 23, and then you get Josh Christopher at 24. Uh, big night, Ray. Um, and now that we've seen them over the past five months, um, how do you, what, what do you grade that draft after five months? I know it's really difficult to do that, but I'm putting you on the spot here. And it is the year in review. So the last five months, what have you seen out of our rookies? I think if I was going to give it a grade, I'd probably give it a B. And it's – when you look back at the draft, I initially felt like um, when they selected Jalen Green, like I was like, okay, Jalen Green, he's going to be a great pick for the Rockets. I would have picked Evan Mobley, as I was saying back then. Um, and so I didn't necessarily see them winning draft night if they didn't pick Evan Mobley, but then they did win draft night with the selections that they made. Because if you're not going to pick Evan Mobley, then you are going to want to go get a big and you're going to want to get a big that can create. And that's what they got in Shingun. And then, if you're not going to pick Evan Mobley, you're going to want to get somebody who's going to come in and be able to play defense. And that's what they got in Garuba. And then Josh Christopher, he was just feels like a steal. I feel like he'll show that more as the season goes on. But I mean, he was just sitting there. And I think the Rockets, it's kind of crazy. People say he was picked for being so close with Jalen Green, but no rookies getting that type of treatment. But he was just sitting there and it helped them wrap the draft up perfectly. And so I think it's we've seen strides from them. We've seen um, a fair share of struggles. Like I think Shangun, he's in a bit of a slump right now. But throughout the season, he's looked really good. And he's looked – we should probably give you a shout-out for that, Jeremy, because you. I remember before the season <laughs> you were saying that um, Shangun well, – it was something along the lines of high, holding Shangun in a higher regard than Jalen Green, which wasn't a knock at Green. It was just – more of um... it was more along the lines of the expectations that were placed on Jalen Green were massive coming out because the whole Rockets Twitter had this whole huge civil war. It seemed I'm, that's what I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call it a civil war between who wanted Evan Mobley and who wanted Jalen Green. And ultimately, it seemed like as the draft was as we got from the lottery to the draft, 
the the noise for Jalen Green started to started to grow, and then of course you take him. And Mike, originally you were an Evan Mobley guy. I I think I think on draft night or on lottery night when I saw we got number two, I was like, great, we got Evan Mobley. So so like yeah, like Evan Mobley coming to Houston was like a legitimate thought. But if you knew that you were going to get Jalen Green and Shingun, would you have been okay? Would you have preferred that over Mobley? Yeah, I'd say long term. Now that we've seen Shingun, yeah. I mean, maybe not on draft night, I probably would have been like, oh, I don't know. But now that we've seen how quickly he's able to play at the NBA level, when he's like, we see on the defensive end that he's still adjusting when he picks up those fouls. Like he's still adjusting to the speed of the game. But then on the offensive end, he's still able to be so in control and dictate an offense. So that's huge. That's something that I was not expecting. I don't know how you've seen it coming. You must have been doing research or <laughs> on YouTube watching old game tape or something. But shout out to you for that because that was you know what? It's been a long time since I've done a lot of that. And I usually I haven't done a whole lot of it with the NBA just because when have the Rockets ever really had a pick? Let's be real. Like it, it it's a very different uh Rockets team that we're talking about, which is why I feel like this this episode is so important because this the way we look at the Rockets now is so different than what we did a year ago. And I think going into 2022, I think it's important that, uh, you know, the way we look at this team, the way we watch the Rockets, it's it's so different than we did in 2020. And 2021 was kind of that transition year, the transformative year, the dynamic year for the Rockets. But, you know, Mike, uh, you, you pulled up a comment from Alex. I wanted you to bring it up. Uh, if Mobley had played next to Christian Wood. You know, that we've seen how Christian Wood thrives in a single big lineup. And, uh, you know, yeah, putting Evan Mobley next to Christian Wood, it would not have made as much sense. Also, we've seen that Evan Mobley didn't really want to come to Houston. Uh, it, mainly, maybe there was some tension between him and Kevin Porter uh, from their USC, day, USC days with Mobley's dad. There was some kind of talk about that. But regardless of the point, Mobley's not our guy. Alperin Shangun and Jalen Green are guys. And Mike, what like I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the same question at you. Grade your grade the draft class with five months. B minus. Okay, that's pretty fair. I think I think a couple things. Number one, I don't agree with Alex at all. I actually think that Christian Wood thrives in a single big lineup because they haven't given him what he needs. They they've done they've done they've done Christian Wood dirty. He needs a beast of a big man on the boards so no no not (laughs) uh to me the picture perfect guy and this is why i was so disappointed that they didn't get him two names evan mobley or jared allen consequently both of those guys are in cleveland right now uh both of those guys would thrive next to a christian wood because it allows christian wood to do what he wants to do best which is be on the perimeter christian wood averaging 10.8 rebounds a game is a farce he gets those rebounds not because he's a dominant big man on the boards. He just happens to get those in transition on long shots. To me, I, I like Shangun a lot. I don't love Shangun as much as the rest of the Rockets fan base does. I, I think I'm on an island there. I like him a lot. I like what I see. I'm not ready to, to hand him the keys to the, to the fan base just yet. Uh, I'm careful, like, Mike. You don't want to get canceled before 2022. <laughs> do it. Trust me, I, I've said worse about worse. So, that is true. That is true. You know, I'm not. The thing is, the guy, the guy's averaging nine points and four rebounds a game because he can't stay on the floor because he can't stop fouling people. 
But do you think yeah. that will change in 2022 and in the future? I don't think it could get any worse. I think is a fair way to put it. Well, that, that's, I mean, yeah. look for, for him being 19 and this is his floor. Yeah. That's pretty good. Potentially. Yeah. But let me ask you a question. What if, what if this is the ceiling offensively? What if he doesn't get better offensively? What if this is what he is moving forward? See, yeah. I, I don't think that's the case. I think, I think the reason why I was as high on Shangun as I was is because when I hear the three letters MVP in front of your name and the numbers <sighs> one eight in your age and 2002 and his, his year is a compound sentence, Alfred Shangun and, and Jalen Green and Josh Christopher and Usman Garuba. And the fact that they have all of these guys, it just oozes potential. And you know what? Yes. There, there's no guarantee that Alperin Shangun is going to be the next Nikola Jokic. I, I do, I don't think he, I don't think he's going to be the next Nikola Jokic. He's Paul he's Gasol. He's Paul Gasol. I, and you know he's what? If that's Mike, if he's Paul Gasol, then he, he will get better offensively. No, I think I think that's his ceiling. So, Sorry, let me so let me rephrase. So like that's that's why I think I, that's why I think um that's why I've been high on Shangun this whole time. Um, and maybe I'm not as um and like i understand his uh minutes and all of that and and how that's kind of affecting you know the way things are i think he's playing the correct amount of minutes yeah sure if he plays a little bit more i'm okay with that too but i'm not like against him only playing 19 to 22 minutes again like i'm not i'm not like vocally pissed off about it uh you know he'll get those minutes in due time i, I think that he is still kind of developing and, and he does need to work on his fouls and, and all of that and his conditioning. And, but I know that's going to come because I, I just, you, you, you know, that happens with 19 year olds that have that much raw talent. And, and that's why I see it with Jalen green too, because with Jalen green, we, just, he's just so raw already. And he's dropping 20, 22, 24 points against the Lakers. And I'm like, yeah, that's only going to get better. And with Josh Christopher too, Josh Christopher has been the biggest surprise for me. And I think it was because we've been so, we were like, okay, John Wall's there. It's going to be hard for him to get minutes. Um, but he has gotten the minutes and he's made the most of it. And he's been my most, he's been my biggest surprise out of the four rookies. Usman group is obviously the biggest disappointment, but there's not a whole lot to go off of on him yet. But speaking of John Wall, to kind of segue into the next. Well, hold on real quick, real quick. I want to ask both of you a question real quick. Yeah. yeah. Ray going to you. First of all, props to you on Josh Christopher. Um, The biggest problem with the Shangun wood dynamic is I think no one's talking about this. You're eventually going to have to pick between the two in my eyes. I don't think you can have both of them on a roster. I don't think they can coexist on a roster. I think that's fair. And I think, that's mainly fair because defense, <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't have, you need to have somebody that's that anchor and you need to have someone who's intimidating guys when they come into the Ram light. Um, as much as Rudy Gobert gets from Utah, you don't see a lot of people willingly attacking him unless they're like John Morant or someone looking for a poster because he's there deterring shots. And so it makes guys second guess. But when you watch a rocket game, guys are looking at the paint and they're like, neither of these guys are going to be able to stop me from getting to where I want to go. And they're just, going straight there so I agree with that and I also think you know the Shingun conversation he's really talented and I think I'm more on Jeremy's side when it comes to ceiling 
And I agree with both of you guys about the minute conversation because it's crazy. Like, you know, he's he's fouling and people want him to be able to stay on the floor. And they're like, you know, if he fouls out, he fouls out. But what type of how do you break those habits? How do you break those fouling habits? Do you just keep him on the floor and you allow him to always just pick up these fouls and then he's not available in the fourth quarter because you wanted to keep him in and hopefully he can make an impact throughout the second quarter that could make, it just doesn't make sense. Like none of it makes sense to keep a guy who's picking up fouls so constantly in the game for so long. And I think Steven Silas and the coaching staff is doing a great job. I mean, I would like to see him get more minutes, but I think the coaching staff is doing a great job of trying to minimize those habits of picking up those silly fouls because it's, it's really the only way to correct it. Letting them foul out is not going to fix anything. I think to wrap a bow on all of this, 2022, I think this time next year, we will know if – I think they will have made a decision on it, whether it's Shengun or Wood. And, I, and at this point, I think you have to go with Shengun just because of how limitless his potential is and the fact that uh, that Christian Wood's a free agent uh, after the 2022-2023 season. And with all of these bigs that are coming at the top of the draft in 2022 – the the next four months from January to April, you need to as the Rockets, they need to figure out if Shangun and Wood can coexist. The sample size they've shown from November to December is too small for really to decide. But as Mike mentioned, they haven't proven that they can coexist yet. So they need to either prove that they can coexist within the next couple of months before the draft, and they eventually draft a guy that can play next to Shangun. Or you prove that they can coexist, and then there's some success there, and then you move forward with the two of them. So that is what's going to be a big talking point for these the second half of this season, especially because that's what they're going to have to make some decisions come the off season with Wood on uh, with Wood going into his contract year. So yeah, to kind of put a bow onto that, another guy that's entering a contract year next season, John Wall, a big, big uh, controversial subject over the past couple of months with him not playing yet still making one of the fattest paychecks in the NBA, close to um, $45 million to not play basketball. And, you know, there was a mutual agreement that the two, that the two came to the Rockets and John Wall. And then in recent weeks, it has turned into John Wall wants to play. The Rockets don't, not in a starting role at least. So, I mean, Mike, you have been obviously the most vocal about John Wall and in your disdain for him. Uh, what do you think the solution will eventually become with John Wall? Buy him out. No one's trading. When, for that when do they buy him out? It should have been yesterday. This is on, this is on the front office. This is 100% preventable by the front office. And they let it go way too long. It's a dysfunctional relationship that they're in. Tillman's got to put an end to it and either find a trade partner and get creative and attach within reason, whatever you need to attach to him to move him. You know, is there a, you know, are the Lakers that tired of Russell Westbrook that there's a three team deal out there that sends you know, Wall somewhere, Westbrook and somewhere, and Ben Simmons somewhere. I, to me, that makes sense. All three guys make similar amounts of money. All three guys, you know, Westbrook probably likes L.A. 
most of those three in, in those cities, but all three of those guys could deal with new homes. Uh, I'm not a, a John Wall guy. I think John Wall has handled this about as poorly as you could ask for from a superstar's perspective about being a, a professional, about being, you know, the type of guy that your teammates look to and, and look up to, I should say. So I think that's the easiest way to do it is buy him out as soon as possible or attach anything you need to within reason to get rid of him. Right. What, what, when does John Wall's tenure as a rocket end? Does it end this year, this upcoming year, 2022? I think it ends this year. And I think what can speed it up most is if the Philadelphia 76ers get desperate. And because I think, with Ben Simmons, like Mike saying, yeah, if you're going to attach something, it has to be within reason. But I think you could make the case that there is a lot that you could attach and you'd be fine with if you're getting back Ben Simmons because of what he brings. Because all of a sudden you have another floor general and you have an impact defender. And sure, he doesn't shoot threes and he seems like he lacks confidence, but you never know what a change of a market can do for a guy. And I mean, I'd be fine, maybe not immediate first round picks like these upcoming years, but I'd be fine with attaching a few later, uh, maybe not a few, but maybe one or two. One, yeah. I would, yeah, I would not give more than two. Not a few, <laughs> but uh, maybe we'll go one. You guys seem to like one. so Maybe one in a pick swap or something like that. But yeah. I think the reason why John Wall has is still on the Rockets is because there isn't an adequate trade that they have seen. I'm sure that they've been contacted about him and i'm sure that they have you know thought about a buyout but it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense at this point just because the market isn't there but now that you're seeing um now that you're seeing the clippers look like they need a point guard really bad especially with paul george out for the next couple of weeks and you're looking at cleveland with ricky rubio out for the year that becomes a potential uh scenario the rockets in cleveland they've been they've been doing a couple of deals together in the last couple of couple of months so that could be a potential location for him the lakers obviously that has become a possibility as well but i think within reason is the biggest part of that sentence mike because um you know they don't want to just have money i don't think they want to do a whole bobby bonilla kind of deal where the Mets are still paying Bobby Bonilla. Like, do the do the Rockets want to pay a million dollars to John Wall for the next 40 years of his life? Like, I, I don't think that that's what the Rockets are trying to do. Otherwise, they probably would have done it by now. So I think the Rockets are going to look for trades this, this trade deadline. I think they're going to look for trades for him. And if they don't find it, they're going to buy him out in the offseason because I think one year of the buyout is a lot easier to deal with than two which is why they didn't do it with two years. And I think by the off season, if John Wall is uh, still with the Rockets, they will buy him out. I think they're going to look for trades this, this, this deadline season coming up. And then after that, they will find a new home for him um, in the off season. So I think that that's probably what we're going to expect from the John Wall saga, but should be one of the bigger storylines coming in to the 2022 calendar year. But now that we've gotten, I guess to somewhat of the present day. Um, I guess the one thing we haven't really talked about is is this season so far. Uh, you know, we we mentioned we briefly touched on the losing streak and then the winning streak that they've had. Uh, but I guess this is kind of a good place to kind of say, well, the Rockets are a third of the way in the season now. What do we think? Uh, so Ray, the Rockets right now, as of this recording, they're what ten and like. 
27 or something. I lost. But I mean, when you think of it like that, the seven game win streak, take out that seven game win streak, the Rockets are three and 25. So the Rockets are 10 and 25 to 35 games. Um, is, is that number surprising to you? Is that right where you thought they would be? Um, what could they do? And where do you think they will end at the end of the season? I think the record isn't too surprising to me. I think how they've got there is a little bit more surprising because you think that their wins would come kind of, you know, all night, off night, all night, off night, but they've come in a super long losing streak and then a really nice winning streak, which is kind of unusual for a team that's going through as much as they're going through when it comes to trying to rebuild your team with youth and figure out identity. And, um, and now COVID's coming up and all the, just all the things that's gone on throughout this first uh, third of the season. And so, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm super surprised at the overall record, but the way they've got there is just super. But I think for me, it's when they decided that they wanted to see more floor spacing by having Christian Wood or Shingun out there alone and then giving Armani Brooks a bigger role and then bringing on Garrison Matthews and then immediately putting him in the starting lineup after he had big games. I'm surprised that we didn't see that quicker. It felt like for a long time they were just comfortable with going out there and not having any spacing and then being surprised when things go wrong because, like you said, like you said, they're not a team that's tanking. We can see it when there's reports about Stephen Silas coming that he might not be the head coach and people look, you know, bothered by it. And Stephen Silas after games looks disappointed. So that shows that a team is actively trying to win; they're just not getting the job done. So for a team that's actively trying to win, it felt like they were missing the easiest part when it comes to winning basketball games in this era, which is spacing. And I mean, they fix those problems now. They have other issues that they'll need to tend to, but that was the one that really had me scratching my head for a while. Yeah. Mike, they've won 10 games so far. We're about halfway into the year. What number do you think that, that win column ends in? Somewhere between 22 and 26 by the end of the year. Which is where they were projected. Yeah, I think I think the other thing, Ray, you and I have touched on this, Jeremy, you and I not so much. One thing that's been shocking to me, and I don't think – I think it's the personnel that's been on the floor has contributed, contributed to this a whole lot. I've been shocked at the lack of offensive identity this team has had throughout the season. It's shocking. And I'll say this. Because they don't – Tuesday night's game, it's yeah. because Kevin Porter and Jalen Green have not been on the floor enough. For sure. For sure, but you have to. So there, there's that. a like, reason for that. Yeah, I, I, I think that definitely attributes to it. But I'm talking about more. Who does this offense run through? If everybody was healthy, if everybody was on the, everybody was on the roster, you ask anybody. What I mean, and this isn't a great example, but talk about the Lakers. It runs through LeBron. You talk about the the Celtics. It runs through Green and it run or uh, Tatum and it runs through Brown. Like, who does the Rockets' offense run through? Does it run through Wood? Does it run through Jalen Green? Is it Kevin Porter Jr.? Where does Jayshon Tate, you know, is he a facilitator? Is he a scorer? You know, what is Garrison Matthews? Is he just a spot-up shooter? Do you want him to become, you know, you already have one of those guys. Now you've got two of those guys on the court. You don't have a rim protector. There's no identity. Like, they're a big ball of Play-Doh, but they don't have anybody it feels like – massaging the play-doh and feeling out what 
is this? What are they? And I think that's what 2021 was about. I think sure by this time next year, they'll have a better idea as to what that that yeah. offense looks like and that what that identity is. Uh, you know that that's very common for a lot of rebuilding teams. Is the reason why they are bad is because they don't know what they are yet. And I think the as of right now, I think the best person to run the offense through is still Christian Wood. I think the best offensive game they had this year was against the Hornets, the overtime win against the Hornets. And that game was Christian Wood's game. You know, that was it. He dominated that game. And I think the during that win streak, Christian Wood was playing some of the best basketball that we've seen from him, the best basketball that we've seen from him. So I think if the Rockets are looking to win these games, and the thing is they might be looking to keep that offense running through Kevin Porter and Jalen Green, because that is probably what's better for the future of the team. And if they want to win right now, I think they should run the offense through Christian Wood. But they might not be because they're looking to prepare Jalen Green and Kevin Porter into somewhat of that Brown Tatum role a little bit. Um, maybe more like Damon CJ in, in Portland. I think I think that's kind of the vision for these guys. And I think that's more of what we're going to see. And it might not lead to the maximum amount of wins that this team is capable of getting, but it might prepare themselves better in the long run. And eventually they turn that big man into Alper and Shangun and whoever they get in this draft. And then they, then you're looking at problems in the backcourt and problems in the front court. And then, then you can really start cooking. And that's what we're going to see more of, in 2022 2023 and i think that's you know what we're looking forward to over the next you know 12 months or so but i think i think yeah y'all hit it on the head about 25 wins is still kind of where i would put this team and they are probably finishing somewhere between 13 and 15 in the west um it's you know maybe we were kind of flirting with the idea of maybe maybe 10 is is kind of in reach when they were two or three games back after that winning streak, but times have kind of, uh, you know, mellowed out a little bit more and, and they're only five games back. I mean, I'm not saying never say never and they, they still have a decent chance, but that's not what this next couple of months should be about. It should be about let's give this offense an identity. Let's, I think the defense identity is a lot closer along because especially with Jay Sean Tate in there, but I think that offense figuring out who they are, is the most important uh, goal for the Rockets. The, mo- the, the Rockets' resolutions, uh, that should be number one. Um, but I'm going to ask y'all for one Rockets resolution for 2022. Mike, we'll go with you first. Fine. I mean, my resolution is find resolution. Sorry, let me start over. Find new homes for the veterans on this team. I think that's my number one. Uh, like if, if they accomplish that in 22, I'm happy. You know, I think the one guy I want to hold on to is David Nawaba. I think David Nawaba is contagious for this roster. I think he's played his way into. He's the guy that I want the youth looking up to versus a guy like a John wall. You know, I want him to be the veteran presence because he brings that lunch pail mentality you know, to the office every day. Is he the most talented dude on the court? No, but he's going to give you maximum effort. So I look at Eric Gordon. I look at DJ Augustine. I look at John Wall. Clear that out and go youth. 
just Daniel Tice too. You know, I think Usman Garuba needs to see the court more. I think Josh Christopher, the more minutes he gets, the better. I think uh, KJ Martin Jr. should come back and be getting 25 minutes a game, you know, versus the 19 that he averages. Get him more time on the court. So that's my resolution is find homes for the veterans and continue to embrace the youth movement as much as possible. Yeah, Ray, what's your Rockets resolution? I think mine would be um, be the winner in each acquisition that you take part in because Ooh, I like that. I think, and I think they, I think that was the resolution this year, and I think they were. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think for the most part they did pretty good. I think the only one would be the the Harden trade because I think I wouldn't say they lost the acquisition. Like I wouldn't say that um, you know they got fleeced when they traded Harden because they got back a lot of draft picks and they set up the future really nice. But I also don't think that they got as much as they could have. But with the direction that they're taking, with the direction to build through youth and all that, then I kind of get it. So I can't really say that they didn't make the best moves. But me, personally, if I'm trading James Harden, I need Ben Simmons or I need Jared Allen or I need Karis LeVert or I need, you know, a combination of those guys. Yeah, Mike, like we're, on the, we're on the same page there. And overall, it, couldn't be, it could be a great deal. Like if Jalen Green ends up being great and then, you know, their, draft, their future draft picks, they go and get – maybe Paulo Bencaro and some other guys and all these guys just grow up and win championships in Houston. But I think that's why it's so important that they need to be the undisputed winner in each acquisition that they make, because you don't want to leave saying, well, you know, they could have also got this or they could have also got that guy. And so that's just my takeaway of that is that they did good this past season. Um, I feel like they probably could have done a little bit better, but where they're at right now, there's not really room for complaints because it feels like they like the direction they're heading. But yeah, so that'd be mine. To be fair, when when you trade a guy like James Harden, it's hard to come up a winner. And yeah. the fact that the Rockets are still where they are. But I'll say this, Ray Ray had so many shades of, of Mike and myself in the answer. That's exactly mm-hmm. why you're like the perfect fit with all, like us three. Mm-hmm. Because you are like... You are like right there with Mike on 50, like fifty percent Mike's answer, fifty percent my answers. You know, so I can't complain because because you do you do see my side in everything as well. But you, you do see Mike's side as well. So I think that's why we're we're a perfect unit, the three of us. But um, my resolution to to Rockets Twitter. This is for you guys. Be kind to one another. Mm. Y'all have been messy lately. Mm. Come on, y'all. Like, let's just. Y'all have been messy. Like coming, be nicer to Steven Silas. That's number one. Uh, be not like yes, Alperin Shengun is Shengad, but in due time things will come. If you, if just be patient, be patient, guys. It's gonna be a rough year in 2022. The Rockets probably will lose more than they will win, but that as long as they are on the trend they took in 2021 they will be on the right path. It's not going to be resolved in 2022 likely, but it's going to it's going to be closer to what is it what did the constitution says in order to build a more perfect union? In 2022 the Rockets will move closer to building that more perfect union because they are rebuilding as Anna says on Facebook. Shout out to Anna um for for you listening to our show and shout out to everyone uh listening to our show. So, I think this is a good 
um, for good question to wrap up the show. This is uh, for those that are listening to us. Feel free to chime in. I'm 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 really curious because I think there could be a lot of different answers for this one. Who is the rocket of the year? Ooh, one guy. Gerald name Green. one person. Gerald Green it doesn't necessarily have to be a player. It can Gerald. be anybody that played on the court. Be someone that didn't play on the court. Who is the rocket of the year? Ray, I'm gonna let you go first on that one. Ooh, this is tough. Um, because we uh, we can't just say James Harden anymore. Uh huh. So I there's got to be who is the rocket of the year. I got I got mine. I'm ready. I'll let you go. I'll All think right. of mine. Okay. Right, I think right. it's John. I think it's John Lucas. Okay. Thought you were saying John Wall. John Lucas. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean here's my thing, right? Like, I this is. And one thing, you know, Anna says true fans are patient. I, I agree with that to a certain extent, but I also appreciate the fans that want greatness now and they don't want to be patient. I respect both fan bases. I think a, with what I've seen on the court, I'm not giving it to a player. I think a guy like a John Lucas has shown, number one, his commitment to this organization, not only being a player, but choosing to bring his mentality and in his coaching abilities to stay post Harden shows how much he actually cares about the Rockets organization as a whole. And then the growth and maturity that we've seen thus far this season from a guy like Kevin Porter jr. On the court, turning into a, a point guard, you know, showing that development and then also Jalen green coming back and working on his jump shot, him and John Lucas and Barbara Turner working with him. I think John Lucas is, probably i mean as valuable as anybody else in the organization right now so like that's that. my rocket of the year is john lucas all right john lucas is michael brown's rocket of the year good good choice i like that i like that not what i was thinking but good choice right i think i'll go with the easy one and say Raphael stone because okay I, um you know when we go back to what we we're talking about at the start when they have um you know at the start at the start of kind of when he took over they had Russell Westbrook and they had James Harden and we were kind of all looking at this roster this small ball roster and then what are they going to do (laughs) how are you know because it felt like they were going to just go out there with the same team and try to run it back and it wasn't going to work but instead they were like okay let's let's make some deals so they went and got Christian Wood they shipped out Russell Westbrook for John Wall which didn't necessarily work but in at the moment it felt like a good deal um, they got rid of James Harden, but made sure to get enough draft capital. Like I said, I would have liked more, but it did land them who they believe. Well, I mean, there's two guys. <laughs> they got Jalen Green out of it, and they got Shingun out of it. And some believe that Shingun could be the franchise cornerstone. Most believe that Jalen Green can be. But the fact that you got two of those guys in one draft just shows that they were doing an excellent job because, you know, you go back to when the Lakers beat the Rockets in the bubble. And it kind of just felt like, you know, what now? Where do they go from here? And now they have direction. And it's kind of unclear still what's going to happen, like who they're going to pick up in the draft. But it does feel like they're building in the right direction. So I'd go Stone. I like that pick. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was tussling between Rafael Stone and my pick. And I feel like we haven't really talked about this guy at all in this episode. 
and that's why I want to give him the Rocket of the Year. I know where you, I know where you're going. I know exactly where you're going. What do you mean? I know exactly who you're about to say. Okay, so tell me who I was going to say. Eric Gordon. No. No, that's really? what Anna says. That's what Anna says. No, I swear to God, I felt an Eric Gordon coming. I oh, thought, right, right. Look, look, and, Jeremy, and, and you're Gordon Jeremy, right? You're Yeah. But the player that's played, I believe the player that's played the most in 2021, the most minutes, is Jay Sean Tate. Yeah. That's yeah. A good one. And and we talk about this whole idea of identity and where are the Rockets going moving forward. And I would love, love, love to see the Rockets adopt the mentality that Jay Sean Tate has played with. He came onto the scene really out of nowhere and has just taken the Rockets by storm. He's been the most consistent player all year long. We rarely see a bad game from Jay Sean Tate. And I think... Had had he played on Tuesday against the Lakers, the Rockets would have won that game. And I think that goes to show you how important he is to the to the de- to the defense for the Rockets. And I think Jay Sean Tate moving forward is going to be a super important piece for the Rockets. He might not be the best player, and he might not be the player that makes the most money, but I think having a guy like Jay Sean Tate whether it's him or whether it's a guy like him, you need a guy like Jay Shantae on every championship team. I've said that countless number of times on these podcasts that we've done throughout the year. And I have, I will continue to say that in 2022 because Jay Shantae continues to impress. He is, he continues to just bring this, you know, super just underdog mentality. And that's what the Rockets are. The Rockets have, I want to say 49% of the minutes they've played this season have been played by undrafted guys. And Jay Sean Tate is one of them. And he brings this just competitive edge to the Rockets that I think is lacking amongst the other, like, I think they need more of. They need more of Jay Sean Tate. We need more Jay Sean Tate. We need more of that competitive edge. And I think that's, for me, why he is the 2021 Rocket of the Year. So I, like I think that's a good place to start the rocket ship. No, no, I'm a little disappointed you didn't pick Eric Gordon because I felt an EG coming from you there, but yeah. I like it. It felt like, you know, it felt like true professional. Um, always. Yeah. Like, this yeah. Thing. You set that up so good. Damn <laughs> I really didn't, think, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't trying to do that. I, I just, I mean, no, you, you, you took exactly the ring. I see, you why, I see where you were going with, but it, it wasn't in the cards, Mike. Maybe. You know what? Next year, maybe you'll maybe you'll get it right. Who's going to be the 2022 Rocket of the Year? No explanation. Green, just, I, I'd guess. Miles Turner. Jalen Green. <laughs> Miles Turner. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I'd love that. Uh, it won't happen. Um, but I'm going to go with Alper and Schengen. I, I'm, oh, feeling, yeah. I'm feeling Schengen. But uh, I think this is a good place to – or Alper and Schengen or Kevin Porter. We got We got to give KPJ some love. He played really good the other night. So hopefully he can stay healthy and can claim this award next year. But I think this is a good place to park the rocket for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the dream take. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the dream take and at DreamShake SBN. Be sure to also head to our website, thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. We'll be back Saturday, New Year's Day to recap the heat game, which may or may not happen considering the heat had their game postponed in San Antonio 
for Wednesday night. So if they can't field a group of eight players, we might not have a game on New Year's Eve. And we'll just talk about the game on New Year's Day between the Rockets and the Denver Nuggets. So after the Nuggets game, come back. We'll be on Spotify Green Room for another episode of the Dream Take to bring us into 2022. The three of us will be around throughout the year giving you all things Houston Rockets. Uh, be sure to follow them on Twitter. You can follow Mike at BSW Podcast underscore MB. You can follow Ray at, at Raymond Lucas Jr. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenovitz, J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Thank you so much to everyone that supported the Dream Take throughout 2021. And we're so excited to kick things off for 2022. Have a safe and healthy new year. And until next time, go Rockets! Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.